And then the last bucket, which I would call our third category, it's chronic care, is we have the ability for you to journal or check in daily, weekly, track your progression for whatever chronic condition you may have, um, really encompassing the whole care continuum. And a lot of that is based on our algorithms. Those will get better as we have more users. How do healthcare employers help their staff monitor and respond to their mental and physical health needs? Let's talk all about it with Josh Boker and Chris Turner of HealthBook Plus right here on episode 420 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is all about you and your personal and professional development, your career and the healthcare system in the big picture. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, tech, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And guess what? You can now get CEUs listening to podcasts. If you go to rnegade.pro, that's rn egada.pro. They're building a library of nursing podcasts. And because you're listening anyway, you might as well get credit for doing so. So go to rnegade.pro, log into the portal, look for me or any other content creator and start earning your CEUs. And if you want to help anyone find the show, leave a rating and review on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify if you like, or just share the show with anyone who you think might benefit from it. I really appreciate that if you want to do me that solid. And the show notes are at nursekeith.com or on any app where you happen to be listening. And as I said at the top of the show, we're here with Josh Boker and Chris Turner of HealthBook Plus, and we're going to talk all about this piece of tech that is has the potential to really help employers help their staff and their employees improve and monitor their mental and physical health needs. And Chris Turner, I want to start with you. You're the CEO of HealthBook Plus. And my question is, where did the idea come from in terms of creating this type of technology for employers to offer to their employees to help care for themselves? Well, Keith, I'll tell you, it's a, uh, my perspective, an incredibly interesting story how it started. I met a couple of guys in Athens, Greece, and one of them owns a shipping company and built it from scratch, as well as an energy company. And he was challenged with providing the best care for the people on his ships. Uh, most of the folks that are working on the ships are Filipino. The captains are typically Ukrainian. And if any health issue happens, whether in the middle of the ocean, the only information that a doctor on land would have for the people on a ship is a pre-boarding physical. So oftentimes they could not get the right information and the ship would have to be diverted. And diverting a ship costs millions of dollars, as well as they couldn't get the best care for the people on the ship. Well, he had a friend who's a GI doctor and the GI doctor and him got together because the GI doctor realized that his patients that came in with the big vanilla envelope full of health records and a bag of pills, that he could give them better care. And so they started on this idea of, hey, what if we built a health record? Because in Greece, there's no such thing as electronic health records hmm. with uh, health systems. So uh, I met them there and I'm like, you guys have read my mind. I've always thought if people could own their health 
and by having all of their data, but having AI really help them guide to the next best health action, that we could have something really big here. So that's what we've done. We put together uh, early identification and guided health platform that helps people understand their next best health action based upon multiple different components of data that we put in a secure database for them. So when you say own their health, right? So when we think about EMRs, you know, the ones that are out there, Epic, mm -hmm. Cerner, Meditech, you know, it doesn't feel like to the consumer necessarily that they own that information. They can often access that information through a portal and they have access to some of it, but usually not all of it, right? So what is the difference between HealthBook Plus and a regular EMR in that particular context of owning, quote unquote, one's health data? Yeah, Keith, it's a lot. So the first thing is we connect HealthBook Plus to about 85% of the EHRs in the US today. We also connect with payers, so we get claims data. If you have a wearable device, all of that biometric information is put into your health book, as well as the ability to self-report information. So if you're like me and you're older than EMRs, you can put in that knee surgery that you had when you were a teenager and providers can get access to all of the health information. So the owner gets to choose who they share it with, how long they share it with that individual and what components of the health record that they want to share with them. The other pieces that come into fruition, so we have this great data set, is we include socioeconomic data as well as um, the self-reported stuff that I talked earlier that could include family history and uh, other events. I see. Okay. And Josh Boker, let's bring you into the conversation. So you're the Vice President of Corporate Development for HealthBook Plus. What would you like to share about your vision for what's possible with this particular technology? Yeah, so I, I would describe myself as being part of that generation that moves every two to three years. Uh, I'm calling in from Charleston, South Carolina. I lived in New York City. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, knock on wood, I haven't had a lot of interactions with medical uh, health systems, but I do have records all across the country. Um, so I like the idea that, yes, I have a patient portal that is on one phone or on a computer, but this gives us the ability to aggregate all of that data. And as Chris mentioned earlier, own your own health. So if I wanted to, in the next two years, move somewhere else, I have all that information that I can take and it's portable um, for Josh Boker. So Josh Boker, like we said, always is going to own their own health. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but... Um, one of our main markets is healthcare providers. Uh, I grew up around a, a lot of healthcare providers. I'm engaged a physician. Um, I have nurses that are cousins and they're all experiencing that burnout. Um, and they're really struggling sometimes to get up and be themselves when they go to work. One of our target markets is to be a resource for those individuals who have been affected by the pandemic and that don't always know where that best place or don't always have the time to get the next health action, that's where I've become really passionate. I'm so glad I met Chris and the team and jumped on board here. Yeah. And Chris, I have a question for you. So in these days, people obviously are concerned about privacy. They're concerned about data security. And if this is a an 
an app or access to the app is purchased by an employer for the employee to use, like it's a benefit, we could say, right? What about employees' fears that the employer might use the information in the app that's contained in it to discriminate against them, first of all, or to, you know, kind of like keep tabs on them to see what's going on? Like, oh, do they have a mental health diagnosis? Do they have PTSD or whatever it is, right? Um, So how do you reassure people that this data is safe from the employer who purchased access to the app for the employee and also from outside third parties who want to gain access to that information? No, absolutely. And I think it's a really valid and important point you bring up, especially you know in the times where we've seen other large companies who people have trusted selling their data. So, you know, the one thing that's core to us at HealthBook Plus is that the individuals on our platform, they own their data, they get to choose who they share it with and who they don't share it with. And so we've built very strict parameters uh, around that. So we're HIPAA compliant. So that means that we can't share it with the employer because of the law anyways. But uh, we've made a commitment that we will never sell or share data that uh, could identify an individual. So what does that really mean? It means that we will take the data for people in a population, de-identify it, and then aggregate it so we can help employers understand programs and different things they could do for their employee population. But there is no way that they can identify an individual out of that data. Okay. The other, yep, Keith, the other thing is security is really important to us. So you know, even though we're a relatively new company, we have already passed our SOC 2 type 1 audit. So we're extremely secure as well as we lock everything down on AWS. And so by doing that, we've got some other certifications from like ISO 27001 and others. Okay. Those of us listening who are in more of the health provider space have no idea what you're just talking about, but it sounds like you've all got the security and data privacy thing locked down. Um, Before we get into more of it, I want to ask the question of you, Chris. Okay. Let's say I'm a nurse. I work for a hospital in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm using HealthBook Plus and I've uploaded lots of stuff and you know, my EHR is all meshed in there. And so all my data is there, right? And then I leave the employee of the hospital in Columbus and I move to San Diego. And now I'm working for a small practice that doesn't pay for access to HealthBook Plus. What happens then? Yeah, great question, Keith. So we're a very mission-driven company. And we really want to help people get to their best health by leveraging technology. So one of the things we've committed to is if an employee leaves their employer and they've taken the time to build their health record and all those health components, that goes with them for life for free. So they don't get the extra added components like the instant health checks or the, the integrations with the EHRs, the family health management, those type of components. But they'll be able to keep all of their health information as well as their health vault, which can contain things like medical power of attorney, do not resuscitate orders, a a will, any important documents that uh, healthcare providers might want. Wow, that's an interesting business model that people might end up using your your app for free, but that's that's awesome. I mean, that's very generous. And well, and we also feel that, you know, that question you asked earlier about privacy and security, 
that if they understand that they truly are the owners and they get a ticket with them for free, I think it gives a little more credibility that, you know what, my employer is not going to see this because it truly is totally not connected with my employer. Okay. Good to know. Okay. So HR doesn't have access to that information or anything like that. That's right. And no employer where you're applying can access it and like look at your information before they interview you. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Now, Josh, you came into the healthcare industry more than a decade ago, but before that you were an investment banker and you advised healthcare service companies about raising capital and that sort of thing. What, what attracted you? I know you mentioned, you know, having healthcare people, professionals in your life, in your family. What are the other parts of this kind of mission-driven work really attracted you, especially into the world of HealthBook Plus with Chris? Yeah, thanks for the question, Keith. Um, I would certainly summarize it by saying that in this world today, you see point solutions, whether it's telemedicine, whether it's uh, a behavioral health company. But my goal as an investment banker was to get that one point solution to its next life cycle. So whether it was getting bought by Apple or getting uh, to the IPO situation. So when you think about consumerizing healthcare, um, we want to have an entry point into the healthcare environment. So I, Josh Boker, I, Chris Turner, can go and get the access to the care that I need as it fits me. That's what I thought was missing for a lot of the companies that I advised on the investment banking side where everything was a point solution. I love the idea of you as an individual, you are a consumer in the healthcare environment and you should access healthcare as you need it. So that's what really excited me and kind of drew me into HealthBook Plus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Chris, you come from, uh, well, a kind of a rich background. You were group vice president over at HealthGrades. And I think a lot of us are familiar with health grades, like you Google a doctor in your local area and you get to see reviews, you get to see how they're graded. Um, you worked for them. Um, you've built all sorts of strategic partnerships at the C-suite level. So what what's your background related to healthcare? Like what what is it that is your con- the connective tissue with you for healthcare? Yeah, it's interesting. I've had a crazy life. Uh, I started life as a corporate pilot and then uh, realized that that wasn't the most exciting thing and not nearly as glamorous sitting around the airport waiting for other people. Hmm. And uh, one of the guys I was flying said, you know what, you should get a job at a pharmaceutical company. So I answered a blind ad in the newspaper and got a job at the pharmaceutical company and spent 12 amazing years doing everything from leading sales teams to marketing brand team to leading teams of PhDs and MDs where we were helping residents understand disease state management. And uh, then I went to health grades and it was a very early startup and was able to take them from really small revenue to big revenue relatively quickly and really build the number one place for people to go to find the best care. And that passion just really arose from the clinical experience to the experience of helping people find the best health to then let's make it more individualized and leverage these new technologies to help people understand what their individual Nick's best health action should be. Mm, Yeah. And both of you have mentioned this term, which I think is a a, um, health book plus term 
that you use commonly, which is the next health action, right? So the way in which I interpret that based on our previous conversations and based on our conversation now is that you want to help predict and or um, lead a individual, like say the nurse who works at a hospital in Columbus, Ohio, who uses HealthBook in terms of what the next thing they can do in terms of increasing their their well-being, whether it's like getting their colonoscopy or going to get a physical and that sort of thing. So is that what this whole idea of the next, you know, the next action means, Josh? Is that is that kind of where it's coming from? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. When we think about uh, our care and how we provide it, we really bucket into three main categories. One is acute care. So Mm -hmm. I'm feeling sick, I have a headache, I'm bleeding, I sprained my ankle. Uh, We use what we call an instant health check for Mm -hmm. you to ask a few questions with your AI back and forth um, and really provide a preliminary triaging point for you to get the best care in the best setting possible. So that's kind of the next best health action if we're talking from an acute standpoint. Then we have a peer prevention play. So, hey, I may show signs of anxiety, depression down the road. Um, I may be at risk for having a baby that could end up in the NICU, or I may be at risk for cancer in the next 10 years. Um, We're able to predict and recommend your next best health action, to use our term again, based on the proprietary algorithms we've built to show that early identification and get you kind of that preventative care. Mm -hmm. And then the last bucket, which I would call our third category, is chronic care is we have the ability for you to journal or check in daily, weekly, kind of track your progression for whatever chronic condition you may have, um, really encompassing the whole care continuum. And a lot of that is based on our algorithms. Those will get better as we have more users. Um, Chris, I don't know if you have anything to add uh, on the predictive side of the house. No, I think you nailed it. That's great. Thank you, Josh. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about why you all feel it's so important for employers to provide this type of service to their staff, to the people who they employ, and also how this could be leveraged for consumers. You know, we're talking about B2B, business to business, but what does it mean business to consumer? If I'm, you know, a person out there in the world who just wants to have access to this sort of technology for myself, for my own well-being. So when we come back, I want to dig a little bit more into that and hang in there with us. And we'll be right back for the second half of episode 420 of The Nurse Keith Show. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friends of the pod and my new friends and colleagues, Chris Turner and Josh Boker of HealthBook Plus. And we've been talking about predictive technologies, how to help people decide what the next best health action is for them to take. We're talking about employers providing this for their employees so that their nurses and doctors and PTs and social workers and chaplains can help take care of themselves better and thus take better care of patients. That's kind of where I come from in terms of this. But when it when it comes to this sort of technology, Chris, um, why is it so important? I mean, I know what my answer is, but I want to hear your answer. 
why is it so important for healthcare employers, hospitals, clinics, et cetera, to support the wellness of their staff? And what do they get out of it? You know, at, at the end of the day, from a high level, it's really cost savings for an employer, mm-hmm. as well as if their employees are in better health, there's less unplanned leave, as well as the employee that's feeling good does a better job at work. You know, I'll just uh, throw out anecdotally, I've been talking with several healthcare CEOs, and what they've told me is they overstaff their nursing by 30%. And the reason why is they have that much unplanned leave every single day. And it's due to nurses being burnt out and stressed and sick. And so they want to help those nurses so that they can come to work. Then they can also reduce the spend on uh, employee health. So on the one hand, saves them money if they can help their employees be healthier, because then they don't have to, let's say, overstaff as much because they have a healthier workforce. They notice a decrease in um attrition due to illness or people taking leave and sick days and stuff like that. So that can all be borne out with the data. And on the other hand, I also think nurses and healthcare providers can feel beleaguered. They work really hard. They can feel burnt out. They can feel sometimes like so much cannon fodder being thrown in front of the healthcare system. Like, well, the pandemic is a really good recent example of that. So I think personally, when an employee feels taken care of, when they feel like an employer is actually investing in them, that that can decrease turnover. I mean, one, we have attrition based on illness, but then we have attrition based on I'm out of here. Right. So is that the hope of some of those employers who use you? And Josh, have you seen that? Have you heard feedback from your your new clients about this? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And yes, it does uh, come to fruition and ring very loud in the healthcare system. I'll use any of us sitting on the call here. If you worked for a business, you work in a community when the person that employs you or asks you to join a club cares about you, let's just talk about from an interpersonal basis, they're going to show up, want to work for you, work hard and work for themselves, which ultimately in the healthcare system is going to provide better patient care. Mm-hmm. Um, also share uh, in an individual experience. Like I said, I'm surrounded by healthcare workers in my family. And I always ask them, you know, what is this residency program coordinator meant to you? Or how have you connected with them versus your last one or your next one? And the vast differences between leadership at different healthcare systems can be night and day. And mm-hmm. I just know waking up next to my partner in the morning when she's excited to go to work versus not. And I think a lot of that dumps come from the leadership at the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And Chris, do you hear the same thing? You know, when you have conversations with, you know, either C-suite or or otherwise, are you hearing the same type of report? Yeah, absolutely. I think most uh, healthcare leaders understand there's a, a crisis with uh, healthcare workers, both from a nursing standpoint, as well as from a physician standpoint. And, you know, I'll tell you, one of the people and executives I was talking to said, they really feel that nurses and doctors, instead of the last three years going through human years, have really been more like dog years. And so, because it's been such a huge demand. And so the providers that were planning on retiring six, seven years from now are retiring today. 
And so that's leaving a big gap in the most experienced people moving on and then trying to move the middle experienced people into their role. And that leaves a big gap all throughout the health system. So it's, it's really concerning, not only for the patient care, but also for just the stability of running a health system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's talk about mental health for a second, because, you know, obviously physical health is important. And I mentioned, you know, predictive analytics saying, oh, you, it's time for your colonoscopy. Um, your last tetanus shot was now 10 years and two months ago, you need a tetanus shot, you know, whatever it happens to be. But in terms of mental health, how, and uh, let me run this by you, Chris, how does predictive technology, like this AI driven technology with algorithms, how do you help someone take the next best mental health step? Or is that a little trickier because it's not like, oh, you're due for your colonoscopy? It is a little trickier, but we've built some really strong algorithms using the data that we have. So I'll give you just a couple of components. You know, algorithms bring in, you know, this plethora of data. But, you know, some of the things we found is when people are having less sleep, so say less than four hours of sleep uh, in three days in a row, that usually triggers some type of a a challenge going on in their life. Um, The other thing is leveraging the biometric data from a watch. So it'll tell heart rate and sleep and, and those type of things. So we can really get a, a good understanding on an individual's overall health, including mental health, by the data that we have in the platform. And one thing that uh, I found just personally is that folks like you and other healthcare workers do this amazing job at taking care of other people mm-hmm. and do a horrible job at taking care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we feel that HealthBook Plus, we can alert you that, hey, there might be an issue. But then more importantly, take that alert, run you through maybe an instant health check, and then pass you on to a peer coach or a counselor or someone that can help you if you're having any type of mental health challenge that is completely confidential and no one else in the organization under your peers will know about it because healthcare is one of those industries where there's a giant stigma associated with any type of mental health challenge. And it's really difficult for providers to coincide and have conversations with their coworkers about their mental health because it ends up, you know, causing them licensures, their job, you know, and just how the community feels about them. Yeah. And stigma, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Josh, you're engaged to a physician, right? That's correct. So you have a little, you have a little bit of an inside view of the the vicissitudes of working in healthcare. So you must hear a lot of things from your fiance. And she must see a lot out there in the world. And, you know, you, I would assume, you know, you have kind of a personal stake in, in this because you have, uh, you know, your beloved and other family members who are healthcare providers. So you, you've seen it from the inside, haven't you? I have. So, and we joke around about it, but it's really not a joke. No, if there's Mm -hmm. been seven straight days of really bad news in the hospital, she's on the cardiac floor. So she does see end of life for some unexpected, you know, unfortunate outcomes. Um, I'm not really prepared um, or educated or trained to be able to have those tough conversations. So that's what we have really targeted to have a peer coach or someone that can sympathize, empathize, and understand what my fiance is going through, my 
sister-in-law is going through because a lot of times the partner at home and not to make this all about myself, but is not capable or doesn't have the training to have those difficult conversations. And there are a lot of people out there that need that support, uh, but may not have it at their fingertips. So from a personal standpoint, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And Chris, I know right now your, your main process here is B2B, business to business, which is you're selling Health Book Plus to employers, hospitals probably are one, probably the larger um, users, right? That's right. What about regular lay people? Is Health Book Plus or some aspect of Health Book Plus going to be available B2C, business to consumer? If I'm, if I'm a, you know, insurance broker and I live here in Santa Fe and I would like to have this for me and my family, could I purchase a membership in order to utilize this particular um, app and process? So Keith, today we are just business to business, but we do have plans in the future, most likely mid to late 2025 to roll out B2C. So that way then the individuals can jump on the platform, but we do sell to employers of all sizes. So whether you have two people as your employee base or 20,000, you know, Health Book Plus can help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in these days of, we, we talk about AI a lot, right? I mean, it's in the news every day with mm-hmm. ChatGPT and ChatGPT4. And, you know, it's just, it feels like it's dominating the news in many ways now. What are the... Chris, what are the greatest benefits of using predictive AI in this particular scenario? And is AI smart enough to be able to walk us through these algorithms? So first off, I'll start by saying we don't ever want to be a doctor or you know take the place of a doctor. We want to help people understand where to get help. And so our AI has over 66,000 position hours into building out the algorithms and the platform. And it's all based on medical peer-reviewed journal articles. So the data is much more powerful than like a chat GBT. But where we really feel is by having these algorithms that are specific to an individual, that 93% accuracy is what uh, our inference engine puts out, is that we can really help people understand that, hey, there might be an issue and here's what we think the issue could be. Go talk to your provider mm-hmm. so that they can help you get help. Mm-hmm. So there's no diagnosis. Ha- like the AI is not diagnosing you with anything. It's it's possibly extracting information from, let's say, the data from your, your uh, iWatch. I mean, your Apple Watch, right? And it's right. seeing that you know, something's happened with your heart rhythm over the last two weeks that looks different than it normally does, right? Something like that. You got it. And, you know, we call it a preliminary diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it can give you a really good idea. And then when we do with our instant health check, we tell you how strong the evidence is for the different conditions that we think you might have from the AI. So Mm -hmm. it's something you can share with your provider. Your provider can look at it and get a really good idea of like, okay, do they agree with it or do they not agree with it? and why. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And Josh, as an employee, you obviously don't work for a 
a hospital or healthcare employer, but you work for HealthBook Plus. So are you using the, the app yourself? I am. So I have all of my information plugged in. Um, I have my connections with my different portals. Like I mentioned earlier, I've lived in five different states um, since, you know, going to college. Um, I'm thrilled of the connectivity abilities as well as plugging into my Apple Watch. Uh, I plan to use it. Obviously, this is my sales pitch for the company, but mm -hmm. I haven't really seen much out there that compares. Yeah. And do do users bring in their family members too? Like, can they add, you know, their their spouse and their child and their elderly mom? Like, can they bring in that data too? Yeah, Keith. So we have what we call a caring circle, which gives you the ability. Uh, let's say we're in the sandwich generation. You're taking care of your ailing mother. You're taking care of your kids who may be going off to college. We have the ability to connect you with your uh, parents, your kids, your provider. If you have a pet, you can even plug in their conditions, their symptoms, uh, and their data. But that caring circle makes it so you are able to get the data and interact with the providers that are in your closest knit circle. So yes, we have the ability to connect with your family members and help you provide care for them. Yeah. And that the only data my dog would want on there would be that he's completely neglected, doesn't get enough walks or treats, and definitely deserves a lot more attention and love. So he's like, he's all over it. <laughs> we'll, we'll flag that for you, Keith. That would be really good. Yeah, that's for him. That's like total red flag. So Chris, where do you see this kind of technology going we've got wearables we've got emrs you know many many emrs out there now we have something like healthbook plus and where do you see it all heading like say i don't know 20 years from now 30 years from now what what's your prediction for what could happen with this sort of technology on the positive side yeah what we really see is that since we have the individual owner at the center and all of their data in one place, then the algorithms that point them to the next best health action. Uh, out of COVID, we had thousands of digital point solutions that are amazing that help with diabetes, musculoskeletal, like you have like calm that helps with meditation. And so we really feel we can be the hub that can identify, hey, here's what this person might need from a digital health perspective and point them, instead of to a brick and mortar, point them to a digital health tool where they can get help. Hopefully that takes care of it. But if not, then transfer them on to a brick and mortar. You know, some of the most recent data I saw is that I think in 2030, we're assuming we're going to be short of physicians in the U.S. by about 380,000. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure the same thing is going to be with nurses. So if we can find different ways to help people without going into brick and mortar. Providers can practice at the top of their license. They can see the most appropriate people at the most appropriate time. And digital health solutions are less expensive than seeing people in a brick and mortar situation. So ideally, we can also cut costs. Mm -hmm. Josh, you have that same vision. You share that vision of, of what the future could look like? I do share that vision with Chris. I think when I go to book my travel, I go to purchase a pair of pants. I have lots of different options. I don't, I don't ever want to compare getting your healthcare um, to the same as buying a new pair of pants. But for a world where we can get a lot of our fingertips, at least our first line of defense in healthcare should be a lot more attainable in my mind. Mm -hmm. I agree. One, one of my pet peeves these days is that 
I have access to a portal for my primary care provider. And then for my cardiologist, I might have an access to a different portal. And then for another doctor, I have access to another portal. And it can get really confusing to know where all my data is. And it's really hard to pull it all together sometimes. And they don't talk to one another, which is really annoying. So it's just one of the pet peeves that I carry. And say I'm a chief nursing officer, Chris, if I think, oh, wow, like my my um, place of work needs to get on this. Do do we do they just go to healthbookplus.com and do they what do they do? Do they apply? Do they talk to a salesperson? What happens? Yeah, so they can just go to healthbookplus.com or they can reach out to Josh and uh, we'll put them in the queue to connect with a salesperson. And, you know, we can understand what their needs are and then see if we're the right fit. Yeah. Awesome. And, and if I'm an employee, I can just bring that to, you know, my COO or whoever and say, hey, this is something we should look at. Yeah. Typically, we've been talking to chief nursing officers, chief medical officers, and some health systems even have a chief wellness officer. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that that is new. And I think that's really great. Um, well, before we say goodbye, I have four quick questions I ask of all of my guests. Are y'all game for a lightning round? Let's do it. And my request would be, since there's two of you, we do have to make these fairly concise. And um, each of you will have a preview of two out of the four questions because the other one will go first. So you'll have equal opportunity to cheat. Okay. So okay. Um, Josh, I'll start with you. How do you define success personally or professionally? I would define success as feeling fulfilled at the end of the day. If you wake up saying you're going to achieve something and you can say that um, you impacted both your team or yourself and feel good about what you've done throughout the day, that is success in my mind. Awesome. Now, Chris, you had a chance to um, prepare because you got to cheat. Um, How would you define that? Yeah, it's easy. Our, uh, Our purpose really is to help a billion people and their pets get to their best health. That's success for us. All right. Yeah, my dog's like, all right, keep the treats coming. (laughs) So Chris, I'll let you go first for the second question. Could you name, or if you don't want to name, just describe a person who's inspired you in the course of your life. They could be living or dead, famous or completely unfamous, someone only you would know. So I'll tell you, for me, I think Nelson Mandela is just such an amazing human being and the things that he's been able to accomplish by, you know, being humble and really stacking hands with everyone, not just as allies. And they've been able to accomplish some really amazing things. So that's who I would say. Nice. Okay. Good choice. And um, Josh, um, the bar is set pretty high with Chris, but who would, who would you say? I'll go for the soft side. I, I'm going to say my mother. Awesome. She raised four kids um, and she has her own career. She was married to a physician. So I uh, can relate to her. And I'm just really proud of her. That's lovely. Yeah. Many, many um, respondents to this question mention, I find mother or grandmother. Those come up a lot in these conversations. All right. Strong women in my family. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh, um, third uh, penultimate question. Is there a book or a movie? It doesn't have to be an absolute favorite because that's hard for a lot of us to come up with. That's had an impact on the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you approach your work, anything along those lines. 
Yeah, this one uh, is interesting. My favorite movie is Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. I don't think everything that uh, is done in the movie is the way you should live your life, but I like the idea that you can be a janitor with a brilliant mind, put your mind to something, and you know perform at the best of the MIT students at, at MIT. Mm-hmm. And um, I I've used the um. There's a scene in Goodwill Hunting where Robin Williams and Matt Damon are sitting in the park and. Robin Williams is giving him a really tough speech about not really knowing what love is. And I've used that little clip in uh, many of my talks when I give keynotes. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there on that one. I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. How about you, Chris? So I'll tell you, a a book that I absolutely love is called Why Hospitals Should Fly. So it incorporates the, the flying passion that I have, as well as the quality component of improving healthcare. And uh, it's an amazing book if you haven't read it. Quick read too. Why Hospitals Should Fly. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Okay, final question. So Chris, you get to go first. Josh gets to cheat. So Chris, if you were named king of the world tomorrow, and that means you have ultimate power, what would be the first action you would want to take to improve the lives of your subjects? Wow, that is a big question. Yeah. Let's see. You know, I think one of the things in my mind is along the lines of of what we're doing, if we can really give people the power to get to their best health, but then take that health and share love with it and build a community around it so that, you know, instead of us acting as individuals all the time, we act as a community. You know, to me, I think that that just fosters more better well-being and just an, an overall sense of security and uh, all of the things that make a society really amazing. Now, how I would do that, I don't know. But conceptually, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and you would have ultimate power to make it happen. So so Boom. fostering community among your your subjects would be a good first step. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got to cheat on this one because that's yeah, a big question. No kidding. Um, I would say, and this is from personal experience as well as friends and family, is getting access to education. And when I say education, I mean the most worldly way possible. So what career paths do I have available to me? What kind of things can I study? What kind of sports can I play? Just getting the right people um, uh, access to education, career paths, and knowledge as early as possible in very creative ways. Um, That would be my, uh, my one power. I love that. Okay. Community and education. All right. Well, thank you both so much. This has been wonderful. I encourage people to check out healthbookplus.com. They can share it with their employers, the CEOs, the CNOs, the COOs, and let people know that this exists and that some companies are taking you up on it and up in the wellness game for their employees and their staff. So thanks so much for sharing with us today. Thanks, Keith. Great to be here. Yep, Keith, Keith, absolutely. It's been fantastic. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes are at nursekeith.com and on any app where you happen to be listening. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And definitely check out healthbookplus.com. Give them some love. Let them know you're out there and that you heard the episode. If you need personalized holistic career coaching, look no further than nursekeith.com. Get in touch 
mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Josh Boker saying adios from... Charleston, South Carolina. All right. And Chris Turner bidding you a Riverdershi from... Snowy, Denver, Colorado. All right. Well, thank you both so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>